better. I was probably trying to steal the intro to one of my other favorite podcasts, but I don't want to get sued. So, anyways, hi, I'm Courtney, and this is Grow Through What You Go Through, another self-help, self-love, self-journey, whatever you want to call it type of podcast. I'm really excited to get this thing going. This is the intro to my intro, so please do as you will. Sit back and enjoy. My name is Courtney, and I'm going to give you a little background on what has led me here to begin such a fun and deep podcast. Uh, my name is Courtney Smith, and I am a licensed master's social worker here in upstate New York. You know, just your average girl, just doing the thing, therapist, social worker, entering the field, and going through my own journey as I help kids and adults navigate their life. I'm also navigating my own. I thought it was a great idea to share my wealth outside of the office, outside of sessions, and kind of give you snippets from what I get in therapy and what I do in my own therapy sessions and with my clients in their sessions as well. I think that there's a lot of podcasts like this out there, but rarely is it just an average person talking about this kind of thing, and I wanted to give a new outlook and Beyond being professional, yes, I am professional, but I'm not to the degree of well-known names and podcasts that we all try to dabble into, but give you that side-by-side comparison to handling yourself while you're trying to help and serve others. The idea of this podcast is to give you that insight about the healing journey, what it may look like breaking apart different topics and mental health illnesses as well as interventions and speaking on not a prof- not a medical professional way, but giving you, you know, real life conversation about the journey that people, a lot of people still avoid doing, even though we're in a better mental health era post-COVID, knowing that we've all been affected in a way that has caused some anxiety and depression. And, you know, plus being in America where that is high, the, the amounts of people that are dealing with a mental health crisis or illness as well as the pharmaceuticals, you know, just taking medications for things that can be worked through on our own time if we weren't so fast-paced. Um, A lot of this is going to be opinions-based, but there's going to be some facts in it as well, and I can decipher them as we begin the conversation and how I'm going to sculpt this podcast. You know, I'm new to podcasting and also being okay with hearing my own voice and hearing my own stories and being raw and vulnerable with a bunch of strangers, if any, if you listen to this. I've had this idea for a while, you know, kind of getting into my own self-work I was very, ironically, I was very hesitant myself to get a therapist until I reached my own quote-unquote rock bottom when COVID began. 
Um, I will definitely go into this into the first episode where I start to dive into self-awareness and, you know, my journey on how I got there and where I am now doing my work. But I've had the idea because of the podcast that I listen to and knowing that the vulnerable state that people get into when they have these conversations really lights up the ideas for other people who may be too scared to start their journey for themselves. At the end of the day, we are all worth it. And we've all come from all different types of trauma and past that weren't very kind to us, but we're all deserving to have a healthier future. Mental health and mental illness impact so many of us, and it's not fair to have a life full of negativity and not knowing what to do with our emotions, where to put them, the spaces we haven't really created to be vulnerable with one another, but the whole purpose of being around is to be comfortable with people and to be open with who we are and know that we're all worth it to be healthy and share our emotions. We're emotional beings. That's what humans are, and we really haven't allowed ourselves to touch on these surfaces, so I'm here to do that with you as an average person rather than famous people that I know that do this already, but give you some feedback just sitting, you know, in my kitchen as I record this and See where it takes us. So a little background on how I got to where I am right now, being a licensed social worker, as well as the journey of entering the mental health field and services, I had always wanted to serve people, you know, it's just kind of, it was just in my, my heart. I, I remember in high school, probably even before that, my mom says I was always wondering what was wrong with people and, you know, asking if they're okay and checking in on feelings and just being an open book is what she described me as, and that kind of carried into high school. I definitely felt that I was the friend that a lot of people would come to, or I would check on people more often than not, you know, just casually, like, hey, how you doing? Just texting people if I saw a change in their face, or they were quiet. I just was very attuned to people's emotions, kind of skipping over mine, but I definitely, my focus in life was being that go-to person, that kind person, that would want to take care of people. It was just in my blood. I remember sitting there my junior or senior year. I think it was like a a cross between both. I was like, huh, I wonder how you could become a therapist. Or at the time, I only thought it was a counselor. I didn't even know that therapists were real, that there were people that worked on mental health in that way, just wanted to counsel and be a source of comfort and help to anybody. I remember making a goal in 2012 that I wanted to become a therapist once I looked into the career field and wanting to help people without getting medical because I'm a little, I get a little woozy when it comes to blood and, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, the medical field. And I was like, mm, I don't know if I could do that, but what about the brain? I took classes like sociology and psychology and I really wanted to deep dive into what impacts people and 
how their you know their emotions are affected by different things in life and even day-to-day stressors and how that you know that can set off a person for sure you know just seeing how my friends handled things and being a teenager and all of our emotions and everything I really wanted to be a source for people to go to I didn't plan on going to college but I was told that I had to in order to get into this field and that's where my journey began I had endured six years of college from human services to human development, to social work, kind of finding that right path in order to get to where I am today. There was a lot of doubt in myself, I want to say. I didn't think I could do it. I had moments of I wanting to give up and just like I could just do the easier path. I didn't have to finish school. but I just felt destined to do so and I kept giving myself little little trade like little benchmarks to reach and I said well if I don't get this then I'm done like I I will give up if I don't get this you know applying to different schools and you know each time I was and each time it just magically happened and I knew I had to complete it I knew I had to get here I think it was my calling and I didn't I as much as I wanted to give up I just kept going because the benchmarks kept happening including going to grad school. I wanted to come home for grad school, and I was like, if I don't get into this specific college, I'm not doing grad school. I didn't know if that meant never or if I just meant in that moment. I remember my mom reaching out and being like, oh, my gosh, you made it. You're going to school. You're going to grad school. You got in. And I was like, no way. I'm not even kidding when I tell you all that I applied at the last second because my internship leader at the time at my um, – <laughs> undergrad college she was like you need to go like yes it's gonna cost a lot of money but this is the best program it's right where you live but you have to apply now because this is the t- this is you know the last week of applying to grad school I was like oh my gosh okay I remember doing the application I was like oh my gosh it might be late I don't know what I'm doing and I just did my best but at the same time I was the first person in my family to first of all go to college second of all first person to 100% go to grad school or apply to grad school. So no one knew how to help me do it. And I will admit, and you'll hear throughout this podcast, I'm a little stubborn. So I didn't really go to where I had, I could have went to the career center at all of my colleges to get help, but I was determined to do it on my own. Let's say that. So I got in and I was like, well, I guess I'm going to grad school and I'm finishing this out. And then I've had more doubts when I got to grad school. I was like, how am I going to get these classes? done like I've never been one to buy textbooks and do it the old-fashioned way and I've always worked a full-time job plus internships in school and I never really put in the effort that I could have but I was smart enough to succeed anyways my first semester of grad school for the social work program I, I failed some tests and I was like oh my goodness you need a b plus to pass this place and it's like there's so much money on this and I remember thinking well, if I stop now, I can still get a career. I got my I got my undergrad degree. I got my, you know, I got my bachelor's. I don't need to, to do master's yet. I can just kind of go with the job I have and, and see where life takes me. But that wasn't what I wanted to do. I felt that I was in, uh, my, to my full potential in service. So I wrote it out. I started to believe in myself. And I was like, I'm going to pass. I'm going to pass. Because if I had to retake it, that's double the money. But I just put it in the best I could, and I made it. I never gotten below a B plus in those classes, and I just kind of pushed through. 
And I'm not saying it was easy. It was also very difficult driving. I w- I'm not going to really say exactly where I'm from, but I will tell you that it's very snowy here in upstate New York. And, you know, driving to class and being full-time and having class from 5 to 9 p.m. was very difficult. And, you know, balancing workouts and schoolwork and friends, I really struggled. But I knew it was in me to finish it out. My end goal was to be a school social worker because in my brain, the start to helping somebody is as a kid. I've always had connections to kids. I've had numerous jobs with kids. You know, I worked at a party store to begin with, and then I became a nanny, and then I did care management for children, and there was just a connection that I had. And the way that certain teachers and school staff made me feel when I was in school kind of gave me the idea of wanting to help people, specifically kids. Kids is the root of, you know, creating good people, and where does it all begin in school? Yes, a lot of it has come from homes, but it was important for me to be like, huh, where can I catch the most, be, be the most impactful, and school made sense. I had tried, you know, care management. I had tried other sources of placement, because everyone's like, you don't, you don't really know. You don't, you don't know until you try other things. And I was like, mm, I'm not going to be a hospital girl. I'm not going to be, you know, facilities. I just, I wasn't connected in that way because I'd rather work with kids. And I was drawn to it, you know, no matter what little pass that I was thrown off. I was like, mm, I'm going to end up in the school. So fresh out of grad school, 23-year-old me began applying to places, and I kind of knew that I wasn't going to get into a school right away. I kind of had in my brain, I was like, mm, I'm going to either stay at my current job or I'm going to try to be at least a school-based therapist, which they have in most of our buildings up here, which is amazing so that people don't have to go elsewhere for appointments. You know, kind of bringing their kids to therapy is a task in itself. So they started to put us facilities into school buildings. I didn't have my school social work certification. I really didn't want to do another thing while I was, you know, just graduating and I had to take my licensing exam. And I needed that first before I could be in an actual school building. So I had applied for school-based positions knowing that I would be a therapist, like a mental health therapist in a school building. I was like, I'm going to start that way. Yes, I'll work for an agency but then I will find my, you know, my footing in getting into a school. So not many people know this, but when I had first graduated grad school, a lot of people were heading into the field, and a lot of agencies were looking for people that already had some experience. I did not have experience as a therapist whatsoever, nor did I have my license yet. So this agency really took a big risk with me they you know they were very firm with that we don't really hire right out of grad school we want you to have more background knowledge how to you know be a therapist but they didn't tell me this until later on my two my two supervisors but I took it and it was a lot to learn I was just kind of thrown into the role you know I had supervision every week but I was just thrown into the wall and mind you when you are a school-based person you're not working with your boss you're working with an entire school staff in a school like the principal isn't your boss nobody in that building is your actual co-worker besides you know a second tier group of people so I was just thrown in and the kids were my focus I 
felt a lot of imposter syndrome, not knowing what to do, but just connecting with them, connecting with the kids, relating to them, having them open up when they feel ready, you know, using some client-centered approaches and just playing games and getting to know people, getting to know kids on their level. My first year, I didn't really connect with any adults. My supervisor might be might have been the only adult that I confided in at the time, but I really, really honed in on those kids. They became my world. They became my focus. I didn't really communicate outside of my outside of my little office in the guidance office at my first school. And yeah, there was some pros and cons there for sure. There was definitely, you know, like I had that, like, <gasps> just believing the kid and not really looking as the person in the middle, you know, like getting the parent's perspective or like the teacher's perspective. I was honed in on the kid. And I think it was a blessing and a curse because you kind of learn the hard way when you believe kids all the time. They're not fibbing. I always told them this. I don't think they're lying or fibbing. I think they're giving you what they had experienced in their own way. And, you know, I had to learn. I had to learn. So I started there, and I was able to, you know, I was able to build very close connections with the kids, and I think they felt comfortable enough to trust me, which is one of the biggest things as a mental health provider, as, you know, someone in a school building. Trust is hard, especially for kids who've been through a lot. And I don't know if any of you are familiar with, like, Tier 1, Tier 2, Tier 3 kids. The ones I would get were automatically Tier 3, you know, kids that have already experienced not great things that are needing the most interventions at the time. It was hard to, you know, build trust with a lot of them, but I did. And I built trust with the school staff, and it it definitely kicked off, and I felt like I found my calling. I felt that I felt great. I felt great to be in a school building. I, you know, I reached a goal, and I was able to start giving out some service to people that needed it. So that definitely led me to the path that I'm on now and the stories of the time I had here. Um, I'll definitely go into more detail as you continue to listen. I hope that I've engaged you enough to keep on listening, you know, and I'm not alone. It's good to be talking to myself, but then I meet a lot of people that I never would have gotten to meet. And that's fine, too. This is fun for me. I actually enjoy doing something big with myself. But anyways, I can't wait to have some friends as guests and eventually hopefully have Santa and Cody we'll see where the path takes me and I hope that you continue to listen and um, you'll be hearing more from me on growth and growth and growth. All right. Thanks guys.